This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside Nate Green. Nate, I know it's a little bit late notice here for this podcast that we're recording at 10 o'clock at night, but how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm good. I got to watch some baseball in person today, so it's a good day. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to throw this sidebar out there. Opening day for my college team. I am one of the pitching coaches for Hope International, so... Yeah, it was a lot of fun to finally be back on the field. It has almost been a year since we've been there, and I couldn't have been more excited. We got the win. You know, a real fun game. Storm back. We had a lot of our two home runs late in the game. So, yeah, started off the season 1-0. and We play one of the best teams in uh, in the nation next uh, on Saturday, actually on Friday. Got a doubleheader against them, and then Saturday we go and we play, again, another real good team from San Diego. So I'm just excited that we have baseball back in general, like for myself. So, and sorry about the dog in the background. You know, we get to do all these podcasts at home and, you know, sometimes things happen, but yeah. What kind of dog is it? Speaking of that, cause I know you're house sitting. <laughs> uh, I have no idea what that is. Bichon for Zay. Yeah. One of those. Absolutely. Guess, no, no clue. Yeah, there's two weird dogs here too. So oh, that's good. Could be barking too. That's good, that's good. So, guys, 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 I just want to thank you all so very much for tuning into this podcast and giving us all the support that you have given us. You know, it's been so much fun talking baseball. Even though it's the off season right now, I'm, I'm excited to get Angels baseball going so we can just explode onto the scene and continue to be the best Angels baseball podcast out there. I just have to thank you guys for it so much. If you like what we're doing here, please, please, please tell a friend. That's how we spread by word of mouth. And just thank you so much for doing that, guys. And if you like the podcast that much, subscribe to us wherever we are. Um, I think we're basically on every podcast place, wherever it gets uploaded, or Apple and all that stuff. So subscribe and give us a review if you like what we have going on, but only if you like what we have going on. If you have any questions, topic ideas, or just want to join us for Talking Fans, guys, remember, uh, I've been doing a couple Talking Fans, but not too much longer once the season gets going. Not going to do too many of those because we're going to have so much more to talk about. So if you want to join us for Talking Fans, you can shoot me a message on Twitter at Jared underscore Tims. You can shoot Brock a message at BDROX, and you can always email us at TalkingHalos at Gmail. Com. And, of course, please follow us on all social medias, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Go do that real quick. Pause this. Go do it. 
I, I'll wait for you, I promise, if you pause it. You just look us up. It's Talking Halos, anywhere you can go. And, of course, guys, give us one second to pay the bills. What's going on, everybody? I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand-new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of this program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month the same rate as other hosting sites would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sporting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. And now... Back to talking halos. All right, guys, enough with all the introductions. Let's get this show rolling. And Nate, we had another trade today, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And I know you were unhappy with it at first because of <laughs> you thought it was not good. But then you saw the money and you were like, well, it's not that bad. So, guys, the Angels acquired Dexter Fowler, former Rocky, former Astro. Yes, I looked it up. He was an Astro. Former Cub, former Cardinal, now Angel, they traded him for basically nothing, either a player to be named later or cash considerations. The Cardinals are also picking up, I believe it's $12.5 million of his salary and the signing bonus, so basically 14.5 of the $16.25 million, if my math's correct. I'm doing math with my eyes closed. And the Angels will only have to pay $1.75 million. That's a pretty good little price there for a 35-year-old right fielder who... We're going to get into his splits here in a second. You know, I mean, it's not horrible, 1.75. You know, I think I, I kind of like what Manassian's doing here a little bit. It, it's it's kind of fun. But first thoughts on this trade, Nate. How do you feel? Yeah, when it first was reported, there was – it just said Dexter Fowler to the Angels for a player to be named later in cash. And I was like, so we're taking on his salary and we're giving him cash? Like, what is this? Uh, but then the money came out. We find out that – we actually are getting 14 and a half or 14.75 of that. And now you look at it and you go, hey, that's, this is really another hole being filled. The right field, one-year deal, again, which is perfect, kind of allows Joe Adele or Brandon Marsh to really kind of figure out um, AAA and be ready for big league ball. So not a bad move. Yeah, and I, I'm okay with it. I'm going to be honest here, $1.75 million for any type of major leaguer is a fantastic deal any way you look at it, and especially being the one-year deal. I know you know some people are going to kind of bag on me, but it's it's definitely an interesting move, and I think that, I Manassian said it, they think that they have a little bit left in Fowler's tank. He's going to be 35 when the season starts, and well, he's going to turn 35 in March, so he'll be 35 when the season starts. And the one major thing that I want to point out here with this whole thing is the whole righty-lefty splits situation. In 2020, I guess we can kind of throw that in the trash, even though he hit pretty well against righties. I think he had a 120 WRC+. And against lefties, I believe he had a negative 20 WRC+. Granted, he didn't 
face lefties all that much. I think if I'm or other way around. No, 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 I'm right. He didn't. No, 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 I am right. I, I, I am yeah, right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I was right. So the splits are are very interesting to see that. So versus a righty in 2019, I'm going to skip back to 2019 because 2020 again. I think we can kind of just wash it down the drain. He slashed 246, 351 with a 426 slugging percentage and a 107 WRC plus. Versus righties, he slashed. 213, 331, and 352 with an 88 WRC plus. Nate, what can we talk about? Yeah. Opposite. Against lefties, he hit bad. Against righties, he was good. No, no, no. He was bad against righties. I'm looking at the stats right here, Nate. Against righties, he was bad. Against lefties, he was good. First righties as a lefty, he hit 246. First lefties as a righty, he hit 213. So this is what happens when I have baseball all day. I just kind of screw up. I'm not even. I'm not even going to edit this. I make mistakes. I'm sorry. Yes, Nate's right. So what do we take? What do we take away from these splits right here? This is what happens when I'm on the baseball uh, field all day. Well, uh, it is a little concerning because you really don't know what Dexter Fowler you're going to get. Uh, as a Cub, he was really, really consistent about that 250, 260 range against righties and lefties. Once he moved over to St. Louis, his, his numbers started to uh, decline against the lefties. So I don't know if it's his vision and, you know, it's just that dominant eye isn't as dominant anymore or what it is. But hopefully he gets back with Joe and very, very uh, comfortable with Joe. Um, and he gets back to hitting the baseball like we know he can. Yeah, it'll be super interesting what the Angels in general do here with the whole righty-lefty thing because right before this, you know, I, I looked at the splits and I had to, we, we thought about this, and Ward's good against righties as well. It's kind of weird to see that a righty being better against righties unless your name's Mike Trout and Mike Trout's just good at everything. <laughs> but it, 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 it'll be interesting to see what they do. Now, do we think they can add another outfielder almost? Or I mean, because what do we what what do we think the plan is with Justin Upton? Because that if that experiment goes south real quick, we the Angels have themselves quite the issue in the outfield. Yeah, I mean you got Shebler who they signed to a minor league deal, who's a, a Perry Manation guy. Um, so that's a, a possibility. I guess they could call him up if Upton's really really bad, put him on the Phantom DL or something. Um, Fletcher Walsh. Yeah, another thing, they can move Fletcher to the outfield and let Rangifo play second. Yeah. Uh, Ward could play the outfield. But uh, if it's a split with Fowler and Ward, then uh, there is going to be a hole. So it really comes down to, does Rangifo make the team, and uh, or does he start the year in AAA? Because if he starts the year in AAA, that gives the Angels uh, – some more, one more outfielder to get, whether it's a uh, Adam Duvall type guy or a Josh Reddick type of guy. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't surprise me if they went out and did something outfield wise, just because because I can't I can't imagine them bringing up Adele or a Marsh at any point next season unless they're really in the race and Upton or Fowler are not doing well. I mean, there's a lot of risk in the outfield right now. I mean, minus Mike Trout, who's going to make the Angels arguably the best outfield in baseball. You know, you look at the corners, and it's like, oh, well, there's a lot of question marks there. That, that's, that is for sure. So on to kind of, you know, this whole thing. Which Dexter Fowler do we think we're getting? Because Colorado, he was really good, even with the fact that Colorado is amazing. He was even good with the Cubs and a little bit with the Cardinals. So, I mean, 
35 again, do we think there's any chance that he is a productive outfielder, or do we think this might end up just being a wash? No, I, I actually like this move. I really think Dexter's going to come over. He's a uh, fun, lighthearted guy from what it looks like. And I think Joe likes to keep it light in the clubhouse and everywhere. So I think his mentality is really going to fit into with what Joe likes to do. Um, so I think, yeah, he's going to come over to the Angels, be comfortable. He even can lead off if they need him to. He can really be a spark plug for that offense. I mean, you saw at Game 7 of the World Series, he goes leadoff bomb uh, to really get that World Series going for him against Corey Kluber at the outstanding all postseason so um that's the kind of that's the fowler i would like to see i think we're going to get something close to that i don't think you're going to get that exactly where he's hitting 270 and he's hitting 260 against righties and 280 against lefties or whatever it was but um yeah i definitely think it's not a bad move and defensively he's really not that bad either he's you know minus two runs defensive runs saved so he's going to play about league average defense and that, that'll work with uh, with the offense the Angels have. Yeah, and we've talked about this before. Like, right field may seem kind of easy in, at Angel Stadium, but I really don't think it's an easy position to play there. I think right field is one of the toughest positions uh, in the AL to play in Anaheim for 82 games just because there are so many weird obstacles out there. I know the fence is lower now, which helps out. But, I mean, it's it's a big outfield either way. So I'm, again, going to be gonna stand a little skeptical on what Fowler can do, a 35-year-old who's going to be declining in speed. The bat speed's going to decline. The arm's going to decline a little bit as he gets older. So, you know, it does worry me. And I think what you have to hope for is 120 decent games out of Dexter Fowler out there in right field and hope that you can get 60, 62 games. Actually, my math is way off again. 42 games, wow. 42. See, look, this is what happens when I'm on the field all day. 42 games from somebody else, whether that's Ward, Fletcher, Walsh, you know, I can't even think of who else, Shebler, Marsh, Adele, Otani, I mean, maybe? Otani maybe, exactly, you know, where a, uh, somebody who they pick up off waivers can get a couple games out there. So best case scenario, I think, which is what we agreed on, was 120 games, 100 to 120 games out there for – Fowler, and we can consider this a success. I, I would really think so, you know. So, what do we think is next for the Angels? We're, I, I don't know if they're necessarily done the outfield. I think they go out and could possibly get a minor league deal of sorts for somebody, you know, just because I think they need a little bit more depth out there. I, I, I really do have true outfield potential because question mark with Upton and left. Mike Trout in center field, no question mark there. It's Mike Trout. But there is that, you know, little bit of scary, you know, there has been some injuries in the past that have kind of, you know, fatigued him. So I, I and then, of course, in right field now you have Fowler. So I think that they still need to go out and maybe get one more outfielder, especially if, you know, you're hoping to get some stuff out of Ward and, you know, like all the players that we just mentioned. So I think you need to go out and get one more right fielder. But is the next move, do we think, for sure going to the bullpen, or do you think maybe another starter? No, I, I definitely think it's the bullpen. And, um, to go back to your outfield thing real quick, if, if you're going to go get an outfielder, I think the guy that makes the most sense for the Angels is, uh, is Kevin Pillar. I think he's a guy who could sign for a minor league deal or very, very cheap major league deal, and he rakes lefties, can play all three outfield spots. SoCal um, guy, too. Went to Dominguez. Yep. Yep, so I think he makes the most sense if, if you're going to go one more outfielder. But 
I think personally the next guy they go get is going to be a reliever. I'm hoping it's Trevor Rosenthal because I think to uh, really lengthen that bullpen out, you can really make it um, really, really tough on, on opposing teams with Myers in the seventh, Buttry in the seventh or sixth, and then Rosenthal and Iglesias um, eighth and ninth. So I, I, I'm really hoping it's a, a Rosenthal-type guy. I know that'll cost a little bit more money, but um, that's who I'm hoping it is. You could also see Shane Green. I think that's a name to really be looking out for because, again, another Atlanta connection. He's been really good with uh, with Atlanta, and he's been able to close games. He's also been able to set up games. So that's the other guy we keep an eye on. Yep, I, I agree. I think you have to look any, – any way you go, you have to look at a connection with either Joe Madden because look at who the Angels – Alex Cobb, Dexter Fowler. You know, they, there have been a lot – Quintana, there's been a lot of Joe Madden guys coming over. Even the who they just, I can't remember, they just claimed somebody from the Cubs even. Hector Robles, I believe. Robel. Robel, yeah. Exactly. So there's a lot of guys that Madden has now brought over. So look for that Madden connection and don't and always don't forget to for that Perry Manassian connection as well. Like you mentioned, Green, Melanson, I believe, is still a free agent unless he's signed today. He's still there. Yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting Joe Biagini is a guy who was with him in Toronto. So yeah, there's a, there's still quite a few really interesting names out there that have been connected. And I think that's the way you they'll ultimately end up going. And of course you know, there, this isn't an Angels podcast if we don't talk about Trevor Bauer a little bit. You know, so he's going to the Cubs, or not to the Cubs, to the Mets. <laughs> uh, that's what the report was coming out, was it looks like the Mets uh, should sign actually tomorrow. So when the podcast comes out, he should probably have signed by then. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be a big deal. And it's something that, looking at that contract, I'm very glad the Angels did not dive into it because from the numbers I've heard it is three years 90 to 100 million and that is not something that I wanted to get on board with exactly and you look at it I I, okay without doing the math here actually I have the math in front of me but I'm not going to do it the angels are basically spending have spent that amount of money that they would have spent on on Bauer that they spent on let's see Fowler Cobb Quintana Iglesias Suzuki Claudio correct both Iglesias. Both Iglesias, yes. Exactly. That's what they spent. They spent Bauer, all that Bauer money to go fill their team with holes. So I agree with you. I, I think that the Mets, fantastic. Go for the Mets. Go to the Mets and make all that money. I'm hearing, I, I do hear there's an opt-out, though, after the first season for Bauer, which would be kind of interesting to see, you know, where he went next year or what he would get if he were to opt-out. But, yeah, definitely a good thing, I think, at the end of the day, that the Angels didn't go and and spend that money. And I don't know if Artie really had any say in this one. I I hope he didn't, you know? (laughs) There's a first for everything. There is. There definitely is. And this kind of brings me on to the next point. I I already kind of mentioned it a little bit, but I'm looking at fan graphs here, and the amount of yellow free agents next year for the Angels is quite interesting. And without even looking at the free agent pool next year for the uh, for major leagues, the Angels are going to have a lot of holes to fill. Pools comes off the books. Fowler comes off the books. Cobb, both Iglesias, Quintana, Suzuki, Bundy, Heaney. It, it's it's, it's going to be a whole new team next offseason, right? Most likely. I, mean, <laughs> I, could see, I could see them re-signing Bundy. 
I think that makes a lot of sense. Yep. You could definitely see them re-signing Iglesias, depending on he, how he does. But other than that, like, Pujols, he's probably going to retire. Uh, Fowler could retire. I don't see them bringing him back, even if he wants to uh, continue playing. And then Jose Iglesias, like, again, he would really have to just come out and absolutely rake to bring him back. But I see Iglesias, you know, signing with a team like the Reds or Phillies who just need a hole to fill and don't want to spend a lot of money, maybe yeah. Oakland, someone like that. So, there's there's yeah. a lot of shortstops on the market next year for sure. Uh, yeah, a lot. So, yeah, you're going to see a lot of new faces. And I, I don't see them bringing back Heaney because I think uh, they got a guy already who's going to be very similar to Heaney, probably a little better than him Reed in Devers. the minor leagues. So, I, I don't think that they would uh, spend the money on bringing Heaney back if if their uh, if their guy's ready. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And of course, before we get on to the next little bit of news that I want to get on to, let's really quickly. I, I just kind of thought about this off the top of my head. Let's let's grade how the off season's gone quickly, and I'll give you the opportunity to say C this time if you want to say C. But what, what's your grade on the off season so far? I know we have about what, another month left in the off season technically, or maybe a little less than that. And there's still probably some moves to be made, but what do you? What, how would you grade the offseason so far, Nate? So uh, you got to give it a B minus for right now, just because they have filled all the holes. You know, they they got a right fielder to help so Adele could get ready. They got a closer, which you know I'm a huge closer guy, so I think that was very very important. They added to the rotation. Now they didn't get the top end of the guy, top end of the rotation like we wanted, but they still added to the rotation and they still added to the bullpen. So it's right now for me it's a B minus. Um, it can go up to a regular B if uh, they add one more reliever. But if not, you're probably going to see it right around that C plus B minus range because they did fill the holes, but it's a lot of older guys or guys coming off rough seasons and hoping for rebounds. So it, it is very iffy season. I normally would I would agree with you there, but I have you have to give it a B plus to an A. I mean, you look at the holes that they had to fill, and I'm looking at I'm doing the math right now. Twenty nine million dollars they've spent. Perry Manassian and staff has spent so far this offseason to fill those holes. And, again, that's basically what Bauer is going to get. So to go out and fill those holes with that cost and at least get better because there was a lot of holes to fill. There really were. So, And you got the closer. You got the depth in starting pitching because the Angels won 2-3 last year, Bundy, Heaney, and and Canning really weren't that bad when you look at it. You add on Quintana, who's a question mark. You're right. You add on Otani, who's a question mark still. And you add on Alex Cobb, who's a question mark. But, again, depth pieces that have shown they can be major leaguers. You still have depth in the starting pitching category with with Sandoval and Berea. And we were talking about this before, that the Salt Lake Bees rotation is going to be filled with top 30 prospects, starting pitching prospects with uh, Robinson Pena, Oliver Ortega, Denny Brady, Patrick Sandoval more than likely, unless they put him in the pen. Even even Suarez, Jaime, could, be there too. Suarez could be there. So the Salt Lake Bees, and, and when you say Suarez, people are going to laugh, but another top prospect. He was the number two Angels prospect, and he was a top 100 prospect in all of baseball. Um, so there's still something there. 
and it's going to be interesting to see. There's going to be some really interesting depth. I know that we don't, you don't like the depth, and we talked about it off the books, but the depth is definitely interesting, and you have to give it a B plus to an A this offseason because you know you filled holes with twenty nine million dollars. You filled six, seven holes that you needed, and you're still not even done. You still can go out and get a reliever or two to really solidify the bullpen and have a really, really good offseason. I mean, you look at you look around the league, and the Angels had the most holes to fill, and I'd say they had one of the best offseasons as well, minus the Padres. I know the Padres are going to be really freaking good. And the Mets, which I know we don't like, but they've added some key pieces, and you know they're going to be a World Series favorite, but... You know, I also like the White Sox. What they did, yes, too. I, I know think the White I, Sox really did a great I, job. I think you've, I think you've corrected me like every single time I've said something about the off season <laughs> in those teams. You said the White Sox. Every time. <laughs> every I mean, single they, time you said the White had Sox. Three holes to fill, and they went out and did it within what? It, it was probably 15 days. They yeah. they got all three of their holes. Did not spend a lot of money. I know they spent a lot of money on Hendricks, but for for getting everyone else, it was very cheap. Yeah. And I think they're going to be they're going to be a tough team to beat in the Central. Yeah. No. A hundred percent. In a in a in a in a sense of dying Central as well. With I, I think the Tigers are going to be kind of fun this year. You look at who they have to bring up. I think they they have a lot of fun pieces. They they really do, and they could be really young and fun, and they could surprise a lot of teams. But but yeah, the White Sox you, they have to be favorites in the AL for sure. And I again. I know this is an Angels podcast, but we love just talking baseball in general. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I back to the Angels. I got to give it at least a at least a B plus because they had twenty nine. I would say probably thirty million dollars, and you and you filled six, seven holes. Absolute tip of the cap to Manassian and staff. I know it hasn't been the players that have been wanted necessarily, but it's it's higher upside guys with a chance of being decently good. You know coming off of bad seasons and being good again. So I, I, I have to tip the cap to Manassian and, and friends. So do you have anything else you want to add on to the Dexter Fowler trade before we move on to some other news? No, I'm, I'm just really excited. Uh, I, was, I am also a Cubs fan, so I, I love to see Dex back because yep. uh, he was really fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. It'll it'll be fun to see this whole crew get out there in the spring and see see what they have going on. So, guys, on to a little bit of news that honestly I really don't even want to dig into, and, and I think it's something that I'd prefer if Derek and John were here to talk to talk about this news. But it's something that I think still need it needs to be brought up by all of us, and it's going to continue to be brought up, and that's going to be the Mickey Calloway news. Nate, I know you know you didn't want to say too much about it, and I don't want to. We don't need to give input on this. And I said my two cents. I said kind of my piece on it. And the Angels suspended Callaway because of all the lewd behavior that was going on with him in New York and in Cleveland. And it said three teams. I don't know where else it, it would have happened. But you know, I, I just let. I want to hear your two cents on this. And I'm going to get Brock's two cents. And I'm hoping we get Derek and John on so that we can get their two cents as well. I mean, it's very disappointing to hear. I, I'm actually a huge Mickey Callaway fan. I think he mm-hmm. is arguably one of the – he's probably the top three pitching coach in baseball. I mean, to see what he's done in Cleveland, to see what he's done in New York, and to even see what the strides he's made with the Angels pitchers last year, like to help Bundy really solidify himself as one of the top pitchers in the American League. Like, I really – really love to see Mickey Callaway work because he does a fantastic job. It is very disappointing to hear what has happened. I hope that uh, maybe someone didn't report 
100% correctly or something because I would love to see Mickey Callaway back. But if it is what it is, then uh, and, and then that's what what's going to happen. But I, I really hope he, he ends up coming back because I think he is a big, big part of why the Angels had so much success on the mound last year with some of the guys. Yeah, and again, you know, you see so much, even from a lot of the Angels fan sites, so much hate for this type of thing. And I just, I feel, again, there's everybody has those skeletons in the closet. And I need to say it up front, I am in no way backing up Mickey Calloway and his actions. No way in, in hell I don't back it up. But you do need to give people, you know, not even the benefit of the doubt. You need to wait until the whole story comes out because, again, you we just, don't know. We are not there. You know, everybody can jump to the conclusions that they want to, but we were not there. There was only two people there, and it's, you know, he said against she said, or he said against, you know, the text message said. So, again, it's not looking good by any means whatsoever. But, again, the whole thing here in the United States, innocent until proven guilty, you know, so give it its time, give it its due justice. I don't think he comes back as Angels pitching coach, but yeah, you know, you just got to kind of let let's be patient on this whole situation and not jump to conclusions because you just you don't know. It doesn't look good, but you don't know. On a brighter note, Jared Weaver for pitching coach. <laughs> hey, the guy knows how to pitch, so wouldn't be the end of the world. I was talking about. Th- I was actually kind of talking about this today because somebody brought it up to me on my team, and I was like, Does Jared Weaver actually, you know? know how pitching coach works I mean like could he actually explain the fundamentals because I mean like personally I work with I work with some pro guys I do and uh, you know we talked about this before Garrett Cole not to name any names um and it's not even like a like you don't work with their mechanics at all like the mechanics are very similar like Garrett Cole in his last bullpen threw 20 pitches all out of this exact same arm slot he counted how many strikes he threw which was impressive. Like, I didn't even think about that. He's like, yeah, I threw 17 strikes. I was like, well, I didn't even think about counting that for you, but congratulations, 17 of 20 strikes, and all out of the same arm slot, all almost in the same location. So, I mean, first off, I guess you got to kind of push it back a little bit. Do you think that pitching coaches in the major leagues actually work with mechanics, or do you think it's more of a mentality thing, and Mickey Calloway was just a, a really good mentality coach you know he had a really good philosophy because when you look at like the analytical side of things that's not I don't think I don't really think that Mickey Calloway or very many pitching coaches in general now maybe some do but I don't think too many know about that type of thing you know like Trevor Bauer goes out there and talks about it like I don't think very many you know major league pitching coaches know about that I think that's more on the video crew or the analytic crew or maybe even more the minor league crew to get that side of cross to players so I, I don't know what do you what is your thought process on a major league pitching coach do you really think they do that much oh I I, I think they do a lot yes it is a uh, mindset thing I think that's a big big part of it is the mindset thing but he also helps them prepare for games like uh, knowing the opponent's strengths and weaknesses and knowing what the guy's strengths and weaknesses are helping him kind of put a game plan together. I think Mickey Calloway does a really good job of putting together a game plan. Um, but I also do think he does a little mechanical stuff, but it, it depends on the guy. So he's not going to go and completely change Andrew Heaney's mechanics. That's not what he's there for. That's not what Andrew Heaney would want. Uh, 
but maybe a guy like Jose Suarez who, who has struggled a little bit and might need a little switch in something. Uh, I think that's a guy where he might try and fix a little mechanically. I, I think you even saw it with him um, in Cleveland. When Ubaldo Jimenez comes over um, and was struggling in Colorado, he made one, one little fix to Ubaldo, and he comes out and gets a, a big contract after it. So I do think it is a big mentality thing and maybe a little bit of mechanics uh, and a little bit of game plan. Yeah, you know, it's 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 definitely not the minor leagues, you know, where you're where you're working so much, you know, mechanically and everything with guys. But I, I, I would agree with you. I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot there. And I, you know, major league pitchers are very smart. You know, they feel something different and they kind of know what they did. You know, they just need almost an extra set of eyes. So I, I think that I think that Mickey Callaway was a really good clubhouse guy and somebody that we really haven't seen. And I think he worked well with Madden too. You know, you look at the clubhouse nature of those two guys. I, I think that that was a that was a big thing for both of them. So again, it, it, it's a, it's not a good story, and it's an unfortunate situation that's happening. And I, I wish it would not have come out, and I wish it would not have ever been a thing, to be honest. So yeah, of course, you know, kind of a best wishes to Mickey Calloway type of thing because I think he's on his way out. I don't I don't think there's any chance and I, I think that they're gonna go in inside with a new pitching coach anyways. I think it's too late in the off season to go and interview and try to find somebody. So wouldn't surprise me if Matt Wise, who I think is the bullpen coach, ends up being the pitching coach come opening day and we see somebody come up from triple A who I'm trying to think if I know any pitching coaches in triple A. I, I actually have no idea who's down there for him. So yeah, final thoughts here before we get going. Uh, the Jared Weaver thing is kind of interesting to me, just because he went from 97 to 85. Um, On a good day, I think it was 82. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he really had to learn how to pitch, and I think getting that as a veteran and really helping these guys learn, like, hey, yeah, I used to throw 97, and I used to be able to blow it by guys. Now, uh, when I was 34, 35, I couldn't do that. This is how I had to learn how to pitch. So I think that actually wouldn't be a bad idea. I don't think he would take that job. I don't think that's kind of – I think he kind of retired to hang out with his kids and stuff. But, um, yeah, the, the mindset that he would bring, too, is a fiery one, which I think the Angels kind of lack a little bit of, like, fire. He, he was the one guy that you knew had everyone's back. If there was – the play at the plate from a couple of years ago, Weaver would have been the first guy on the mound going, I'm hitting the next guy. Where the Angels really don't do that. That's not really an Angels mindset of like, hey, you hit one of our guys, we're going to go hit one of your guys. But that was Weaver's mindset, so that would be kind of an interesting thing to see how they kind of went about that. Yeah, and Kyle Seager's getting all 82 of this, so <laughs> I hope. Yes, that's all over Instagram right now. That was That's fantastic to see that interview and just to hear him, like, even talk about the mindset that he had up there. It's like, hey, I'm the veteran. You're you're kind of the young kid, and you're kind of taking a, a bunch of time. Let, let's just go. Like, I think that the mindset is kind of an interesting thing that you that we bring up. And with Weaver, it's – I don't know if it's a little bit too much. That's my thing. I think that he may be too intense. But at the same time, that might be a good thing because Dylan Bundy's the only guy that I've really seen showing emotion on the mound. <laughs> in with the Angels since Jared Weaver, so I think the Angels do need a little bit of that. That's that is for sure. So 
Guys, thank you so much for listening tonight. You can follow myself at Jared underscore Tims. Nate Green, where can they follow you when things go bad and they can complain to you? <laughs> Nate Green 34. Yeah, go follow Nate on there. I know he's not on Twitter very much, but go give him a follow. And, of course, follow Brock at BDROX8. He had to work tonight, couldn't join us. He'll be on the next podcast when we get, I don't know, probably hopefully more news and all that fun stuff. And, of course, go follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Instagram in particular because we are doing so, so, so much on there. It's, it's been a lot of fun. So, guys, thank you so much for listening again, and have a great rest of your day. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.